Yes, 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 you're listening to Word Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Henry. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, this week, we've got Kyla Winter coming onto the show. Uh, Kyla was someone I met at Chocolate Poetry Club, um, and I met her on the night, and she performed her piece, and straight afterwards, I was like, right, you have to come down for an episode. Um, and thankfully, she said yes, and here we are. So, yeah, this is episode 11, um, and yeah quick reminder if you want to give us a follow on instagram head to word spoken podcast also as always the third and final piece she performs for us today is going to be up on youtube and also on igtv um so please make sure you go and check that out um because yeah it's a really lovely piece um so yeah make sure you're following word spoken podcast on instagram also quick reminder that in february a um, couple of cool things going on on february the 18th um i'm going to be hosting my very own poetry night in collaboration with shadow mag um it's an lgbt themed night and it's going to be in bermondsey so yeah if you're free come along to that also two days later on the 20th um we're going to be recording a live episode of word spoken um in collaboration with off the chest in ealing so yeah check out those two events it's going to be really cool so yeah this week word spoken is blessed with the presence of kyla winter um the three poems we get to hear from her are public service announcement the litany of the writer and finally changes which is the last one up on igtv when Kyla was writing her work, she tends to listen to music. Um, and I think that really comes through in her pieces. She has a rhythm and a flow with her poetry, which is um, really unique. And uh, it's really lovely to hear. So yeah, you guys are really going to enjoy the poems that we're about to hear from her. If you want to give her a follow on Instagram, head to Kyla Winter. That's K-Y-L-A-W-Y-N-T-E-R. Um, so yeah, please give her a follow and support her work. She's certainly one to watch out for on the scene. So the first poem we're about to hear from her is called Public Service Announcement. Public Service Announcement. I stay active to combat passive-aggressive behaviour so I can savour the saviour in me because she was hard to find. Logic, battling creativity combined made me stay on this grind. Hamster wheel turning, guts churning, soul wanting to leap but afraid of the repercussions heaped on me. Mayhap the stats may not apply this time. Can this woman break society's paradigm? Can this artist not be starved? Can this creative space be carved into a niche, rich with satisfaction? Or will I suffer the fate of Nietzsche's eternal return predestined to stay passive while my soul hungers for ascended progression never whole i stay alert to opportunities hiding around corners obscured by men in slick suits a band of corporate marauders who pretend change has happened and all is equal pay lip service to fairness their promises are deceitful because i still earn fewer pennies on the pound than they and when the gender pay gap is closed are you gonna backdate my pay nah i didn't think so so i do what is necessary i take my elder millennial mentality and produce side hustles like a baby daddy afraid of long-term monogamy my manifest destiny calls me onward and yes there will be challenges that must be conquered but wherever i go i sow seeds of change and leave an orchard in my wake so my sisters can exchange servitude for knowledge because don't get it twisted that was eve's true promise i stay on my feet making moves like ali i float like a butterfly but i sting like a bee i learned how to sharpen my mind while on my face i mix a grace with just a trace of a mona lisa smile i learned their tricks made them think i'm happy with an inch when really i'm here to take the whole damn mile 
but still, I've got to stay woke. My consciousness vibrating on high alert. Intuition signals code red when danger is covert. Like when fuckery people come try suck out my soul with their fake camaraderie and dishonest propositions. I will not be a willing victim of societal control. Because they can't touch me. They can't hurt me. Their toxicity slides off of me like oil on Teflon. My soul is non-stick, unconcerned with external bullshit. And I do not have the capacity to carry nonsense burdens on my shoulders when I have mountains to climb. You see, my friends, this is an arrogance. This is confidence. Born to a woman too tired to play out society's subservient fantasies of me because it sees she, as a lesser human being, I am not. So you see, I stay active to combat passive-aggressive behaviour so I can nurture the saviour in me and stay ready for a future set with so much uncertainty. Public service announcement. Kyla, thank you very much for that first piece. Um, And as always, thank you for coming down to Words Spoken. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here how are you doing i'm really good thank you thanks You're for right. having me yeah, no, yeah yeah you know what you are more than welcome and also just before we started recording this episode you said to me and i don't know whether you're lying i hope you're not but you said to me you've listened to every single episode so i far. have is that is that true? i actually have yeah that is that's so <laughs> lovely thanks thanks for that because um, that's you know I, I i do it so people listen to it <laughs> well i i you know i'm a yeah. huge fan of podcasts but when you told me that you were doing this i thought this is this is amazing um I wanted to do something similar a long, long time ago, just kind of like in the creative space, not just with po- not just with spoken word. Yeah. But obviously, doing what you're doing with this podcast, I think it's fantastic. But like the people that you've had on here, I'm just like fire, <laughs> amazing. Oh my gosh! Like yeah, it's just it's just really, really great because a lot of the people I've I've seen perform or I've met on the scene, and and also I've discovered poets I'd never heard before. So yeah, like oh. keep doing your thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's so nice to hear. Look, well, thank you very much for gracing us with that first piece. That was the uh, piece you performed the night that I met you, right? Yes, At it Chocolate was Chocolate Poetry Club, yes. which gets brought up a lot on this podcast. It does. They should like pay me. Like, listen, sponsorship. I should get. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that, or at least get like a free tote bag <laughs> or like a free box of that really nice chocolate oh. that they do <laughs> yeah we I met I, I swear I'm owed that by now oh, oh, sorry, probably. Yeah, so then. yeah we met at CPC um it was the fifth birthday um yes. yeah and I met you and um Ifto there Ifto, yeah mm-hmm. on the same night yeah yeah it was um that 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 was a really great night um it was. and um also and also um yeah you were just one of those people that is, obviously i kind of go to a lot of nights mm. and um often when i do my little bit obviously i get in a little bit of like oh by the way i, I do a podcast <laughs> self-plug shameless yeah. but um yeah you were just one of those people that uh the moment i saw you i was like boom an, really? e- an episode is happening well it's true because like straight afterwards i was like right we need to get a date in. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. No, you were. So, um, so yeah, thank you for actually coming down. So oh, this is really cool. Thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very humbled, like, honestly. <laughs> so uh, tell me about your first piece. Uh, why did you write this piece? <sighs> Public service announcement. Um, okay, so I th- if I remember correctly, the first verse of that poem was actually uh, a reaction to um, Flow Word of the Day. Ah, yeah. Yeah, and I think it was... Um, I think the word was passive and I, I haven't done many of them. I've done a, f- a, f- a few and I wrote the first, and you've got, you've only got 50 seconds, right? Mm. To upload the video, whatever, hashtag it. 
um, and I wrote the first verse, and I was just like, hmm, okay. And I don't know, I, I kept reading it and reading it, and I know I had to put it down. I didn't touch it for a while. And then I thought to myself, I went, I go back over my work quite a lot, and I read it again, and I was like, damn, there's there's some fire. Like, when I wrote that, there was fire inside me. And then I just do what I do usually when I write, which is I put on an instrumental track, something that kind of suited the mood, and, like, the poem was just born from there. And I think it came at a time when I was going through quite a lot of... Uh, I was in, like, a really negative space, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to write poetry that reflected the negativity that was in my head. Yeah, I wanted something that made me stand up out of my... Like, kind of stand up for myself. and um, But also talking about all the kind of bullshit that's going on in, like, the world outside that... Mm. But, that a lot of us all kind of go through like for example the whole gender pay gap stuff and you know that's a very real thing that i've experienced recently and i it all kind of comes comes through that way so that's how mm. that poem came to life yeah great well look so i um would love to talk about the gender pay gap we're going to do that in a little bit okay first of all you just mentioned a, a, a couple of things then so when you write yeah you put music to your work but then when you perform it you don't yeah, so it's really interesting. That so, is interesting. <laughs> so um, one of the poems I'm actually doing tonight, the first one I ever performed, which is Changes, um, I wrote it completely to music. Wow. And I have performed it to music. Okay. Well, but, as in you've like performed it to the track in, like, in which front you of, wrote in, it in? Yeah, in front of an audience. Okay. However, I'm not quite at, I'm not quite at a level of comfort where music and spoken word go hand in hand i'm still finding my voice i'm very new to this um so but i music helps me focus and instrumentals help me kind of laser focus where i need to be so once i find the track that i need i will put it on repeat until that poem's finished i don't change the track because that's the mood that's the beat that's the rhythm the cadence it's everything that i'm looking for um, and also it will suit the emotion that I'm feeling at the time. I don't write everything to music, but a lot of my spoken word stuff, I definitely write to music. Yeah. yeah. Where, where like, do you source the tracks? Like, which, what, what type of music do you feel resonates more with your work? I listen to, oh gosh. So first point of call will usually be Spotify or mm. YouTube. I'll listen to a lot of kind of like free instrumentals, a lot of hip hop, uh, lo-fi, yeah. um, kind of ambient chill hop um sometimes grime like if really? i'm like yeah yeah what <laughs> yeah when you're feeling all like when i'm feeling like, so i'm just like getting Fuck there you. Yeah, <laughs> like, the police, no. <laughs> no don't they they help our nation they're really good people um, they're actually really great they're really great i've got a lot of friends in the police force um but um but i also um i listen to a lot of soundtracks Oh, I right, love from, like, I love scores. I have gigabytes. Te- oh my gosh! I have whole reams of scores. Yeah. So music from movies really inspires me, and I listen to a lot of classical music as well. Mm. So anything that kind of hits me in the right place for when I want to write, then I'll I'll go yeah. for it. Yeah. That that is really cool. I haven't I haven't actually ever heard of anyone that 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 does that yet. So that's okay. kind of really cool. That's maybe quite a unique way of writing. And I think the outcome of which I like think the the rhythm and the vibe of that type of music which you listen to when you write can really be felt in the finished product. So I can kind of see that. I kind of didn't know that, of course, but that actually yeah. makes a lot of sense 
now mm. I know that. Um, yeah, that's it's really interesting that you say that because I did. I went to a night where I was featuring, and um, it was um, Conversations of the Constellations by Nate the Lyricist. And one of some of the feedback I got from him and other of the some of the audience members was there are certain poets, spoken word poets, who will stand still. They'll stand in front of the mic and they'll deliver. And then there are other performers who who walk up and down and there's, they, they generate energy with their body. And a, a lot of the time, the people who do that are kind of MCs and rappers. And mm. I think because I'm so influenced by music, especially hip hop, which I absolutely adore. I don't know. I think I just channel that energy into my spoken word. Um, I love kind of wordplay and rhythm. And, you know, like I said, I'm very influenced by music. So I kind of bring that in. But I don't feel like, um, some MC rapper kind of thing. That's that's not what I am. Yeah. Although, hey, one day maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Do, do you do you sing? I used to. Do you? I can't sing. Uh, no, I, but I'm just. But wondering. I was. I trained as a singer. Did you? Yeah, I got to like grade six or seven when I was in secondary Did school. Did you know? Okay. Yeah. So and like to me, music's like a language. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I studied languages as well. So whenever I hear people talking in a different language, I hear the rhythm. Um, and so when I hear music, I hear, it's like, I can hear when things are sharp or flat. I can mm. hear when, um, you know, I, it, it just, it resonates with me in a different way. Like I'm ve- I don't leave my house without headphones. I will be late for work. I will go back to my house, <laughs> pick up my headphones and be like, I am not leaving this, this house without music because it's just, it's too depressing. Otherwise. Yeah. No, yeah. I, mean, I mean, you're right. I guess it kind of adds color to life. It really music. does. Yeah. Um, as does spoken word. Yeah. Um, so look, so I, uh, you, you touched upon in, in your first piece, um, the issue of the gender pay gap. Definitely. And you said that recently you've experienced some of the issues from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you go into detail about what that is? Like what, um, what, what is the example that you were thinking of then? So in my day-to-day life, um, I'm not a spoken word artist by <laughs> by, by salary, <laughs> by any means. I have a, a day job, you know, yeah. us starving artists. Um, I do a lot of work around diversity and inclusion and gender equality. Um, in fact, I'm a, a, a chair of a, a network for my in my current workplace around gender equality. And what's really scary, and I've been doing this for about four or five years now, is that every year we've got to do these gender uh, pay gap reports, right? Mm. And every year, every company prides themselves on, oh, we've lowered it by like, 1.5 percent and that's good that like they will say that's amazing people are patting themselves on the back for it, like decreasing the gender pay gap by 0.4 percent i'm like mm. we live in fucking 29 20 well 20 at the time it's 2019 but it's now 2020 pay people equally like it's not that hard it's really not that hard um and what is really scary is that in this country, we are so afraid to talk about salary, like how much you earn. Yeah, I think it's like a it's like a British thing, isn't it? Yeah. We're like nervous of ruffling feathers, we're nervous. Yeah, yeah, it's a very like common trait. And employers will use that to their advantage because they know that. So they know that most people who work in an office and who could have been colleagues for like anywhere between 18 months to 20 years... Mm rarely ever know how much the other person's getting paid. So you can bring two people in for the same job and pay them different salaries. And I know that that's the truth because I recruit people. So I've had conversations with HR where they're arguing with me about pay. I'm very much like you pay people 
what they're worth. You pay them not just for their skills, but for their potential. And with women, a lot of the time, they don't get paid for their potential. They get paid for what they've already been able to bring to the table, which means that they often start off on the lower salary. They often earn a lot less than their male colleagues. And in my case, in not in my current workplace, but in, in my career thus far, um, I know that men have earned more money in me, than me mm. and they do probably half the work that I do. And I'm just like, fuck that shit. That's bullshit. <laughs> like, yeah. What the hell? And and it's not it's not about the fact that women don't negotiate because we we do. But we get beaten down so much. We get told no, 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 no. And they hold so much over your head that you get to a point where you're just like, I can't fight this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so when when I kind of read through your piece and I was like, oh, cool, I want to kind of learn uh maybe a bit more about the current status of things right because right. you 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 do hear about it in the press a lot and mm. as like you kind of said people cheer cheer when they get 1.5 percent down yeah but, um so the ons in october last year mm. so like a couple of months ago released a released a report they were looking at the state of the gender pay gap mm. um and so it 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 currently stands uh across all sectors and all companies it's like nine it's 8.9 percent so let's call that nine mm. which is obviously kind of slowly coming down but the 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 change from the previous year was 0.6 percent yeah so as you kind of pointed out there that is that is tiny that that yeah. isn't that isn't a great change and then also it kind of went into go uh, and say that basically the 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 gender pay gap uh, if you look at it by age, mm. starts off relatively small or almost zero. Yeah. But as you go up the ages, forties, fifties. Mm-hmm. So the the uh, the gender pay gap for fifty to fifty nine year olds is fifteen. Yeah. It's fifteen percent. Um. So and 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 that's the kind of uh place where men are typically in a managerial role and you know taking all of the money from the companies. Mm. So it's it's even if you know. We're going down slightly year by year and people are saying, oh, it's only 9%, whatever. When you look at it like that, yeah. if you're, if you're um, you know, above 30, 40, whatever, you're still facing exactly this. In, in fact, it's still really, really bad. So it's interesting that you talk about kind of like the over 50s because that's the age when they start telling you to prepare for retirement. Mm. So by that point, you're already at massive disadvantage to your male counterparts within the workplace. So if you're going to retire at, say, like 65, I think it's for women now and 67 for men. I'm not sure if that's correct, but it's going up every year anyway. (laughs) By the time you get to that point, if you're still on a 50 percent pay gap in salary doing the same job. Now, this is based on the fact that some people are doing exactly the same job, but earning less money. Yeah. Yeah. Right. By the time you retire, you have less money in your pension pot. And one of the reasons that they try to explain this gender pay gap in certain... Because the thing is, this is such a complicated issue. It's so complicated. Like certain sectors have worse pay gap, um, like worse pay um, equality and inequity because Mm. of like they generally recruit more men. There's not a lot of women there anyway. But again, if there's less women, why are the women still not earning the same as the men who are there? anyway yeah (laughs) um but they say that like basically when women leave the workforce to have children and become uh full-time carers or and they go back into work part-time they the decrease in salary is very hard to get like when they go back to work full-time they somehow don't make up 
the salary over over time. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just it's, it's I, a weird thing. I like I like think it is quite a common thing, really, isn't it? Because the 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 thing which can grab the headlines and the thing which people can easily understand on mass is a number, right? It's nine yeah. percent. That's 9%, it. Yeah, exactly. But you're but 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 you're so right. When you look into in, in into it into more detail, when mm-hmm. you look at it by sector, when you look at it. You know, for, and when you include all these other factors, it's complicated, and this Very. you can't portray that in a headline, can you? You can't. And, and <laughs> in that, one sentence, that's not sexy. That's not that doesn't sell papers. So no. in in the states, I think they have. Oh, I'm going to get this wrong. I know I have, but basically, there's a day of the year where women basically uh, go across. Like they don't go on strike, but they let everyone know, professional women, that they are earning. I think it's, is it 15 cents less than men Mm. or something? It's around, so they're earning less, right? Yeah. But it's really complicated because those women are white women. You bring in race, Uh it's even worse, right? And then in this country, bring in social class there are we don't have the statistics like they're trying to measure it but they it's it's going to take time like we have kind of like racial equality charters and gender charters and kind of like looking at gender and race but it's very rare that workplaces put the two together and that's where intersectionality Mm. comes in which is really important but when you look at what a white woman earns in comparison to what a black woman earns doing the same job, you will find that there are often discrepancies again. Yeah. So it's just like, well, what the fuck are we supposed to do? Like, mm. how, we, how do we fight this, especially when we don't know what these discrepancies are? Um, because there's just absolutely no transparency, none whatsoever. Yeah. So. Look, and, and, and I think, you know, people like you that put that kind of knowledge and anger into something like a poem mm. and uh, stand up in front of rooms of people and say it or come on a podcast and uh, perform those pieces, what you are literally doing then is at least spreading awareness. And like you are, cha- you are challenging that into something which is useful. And that's really great. So we, Thank need, you. we need people like you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Look, wow. So you, yeah, that was an amazing chat. You, you know, you know a lot about that. So yeah, thank you very much for sharing your no knowledge on that topic with us. Um, so uh, yeah, I want to hear about your second piece. Sure. So your second piece, I told you I was going to do this. I found, <laughs> I found my list. I literally told you I'm going to lose my list That's when it fine. comes to the bit where your second piece is called. Your second piece is called The Litany of the Writer. It is, yeah. So yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about this piece. Oh, this is a complicated piece. I have been writing this for a while and it, it constantly morphs and changes. Um, I originally wrote this, again, first, first came, I was on my way, I was on my finger on my way to work and I just started kind of, this idea came to me and I wrote down the first, the first verse and it just stops there. Mm. Um, and eventually I picked it up and it grew and it grew. One of the things that I... I love about myself but struggle with is being a writer um and I don't just mean poetry I'm like I literally bleed ink <laughs> I, I I'm a novelist or um well, hopefully hopefully we're working on it oh, but um, yeah. oh. I am I'm actually writing my first book <laughs> but I've also been like a you know freelance journalist I've been writing poetry my whole life I literally just love words and writing but it's a very lonely, isolating profession. 
everybody says that they would love to be a writer, but when the truth of, when the reality of it hits you, it's, you really have to tap into parts of yourself that a lot of, a lot of people don't really want to. Mm. You have to be very comfortable with going through like processing trauma and feeling emotions, but you also have to be really good at being able to tap into other people's um, kind of psyche and emotions as well, especially when you're writing characters. Um, So this writes, sorry, this, this poem, the listening of the writer um, kind of stems from that, which is I love writing. I love wordplay. It's, it's who I am, but at the same time, it's like the enemy. It's like I'm going up against, like I'm facing my worst nightmare every time I look at a blank page and the words won't come. Yeah. You know, people talk about writer's block all the time, but like it's it's a real thing and it can it can tip some creatives into a really dark place when the words just won't come. Yeah. Um, you know, like in that that scene in The Shining where Jack Nicholson's just like, you know, dull, what is it? A dull day won't jack jack won't play or whatever it is yeah, whatever yeah. like that that whole scene like we laugh about that as a meme but like for some writers that that feels like a very real thing so this poem kind of talks about that balance between light and dark in that creative space well i love that i think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to this piece um, oh, okay. and a lot of people will will be listening that are writers as well so yeah thank you for sharing it with us so this is kyla with the litany of the writer i write to live I write to love, I write to give my soul respite, I write to live. I write to live, I write to love, I write to give my soul respite, I write to live. I write to live, I write to love, I write to give my soul respite, I write to live. I write rhymes for times my mind is compromised. Sometimes pen kisses paper, oftentimes phone in hand, standing on inner city platforms, mind transfixed on words of poetic form, as I endeavour to add flourish and feather to the hats that I wear as I hustle millennial hard. I search for words, nouns and verbs to take me out of these levels of distraction. Manifest written action as the city sinks into evening. She, the seeker, questing for meaning in beats as I try to find peace in the lyrics that my hand transcribes. I find myself lost in verses and vibes. You see, I have a surgeon's eye. I cut and stitch adjectives. My creativity is cardiology, is surgery healing me. I cannot aberrate from this path, for I am divergent, insurgent, writer, healer, diviner, universe, ruler. Abdication is not an option, for these words will not be boxed in. For these words, they must be reined in. But hours pass and days fade. Belly rumbles and hunger gnaws until the pen hits the page from dusk till dawn. But no cuisine feeds me like a well-constructed rhyme. Sentences into stanzas alternate from master chef to consumer. Plated with Mich- verses plated with Michelin-starred finesse, and afterwards word sweats in lyric-heavy stupor. But my hunger is ravenous, craving a feast of pages seasoned with tone, garnished with grammar, course after course of song and letter. It is sustenance for my spirit because I write to live, I write to love, I write to give my soul respite, I write to live. I can't divert this vessel's purpose. Believe me, I've tried. And every single time a piece of me has died until resuscitation wasn't an option. Like Lazarus, I had to be reborn. Remove the corruption of other ideas, the disruption of other careers until all that was left were the words and me face to face. Eye to eye, battle ready, heartbeat steady, trigger set, who's going to win? Let's get to the final verse, shall we? See who crumbles and falls like walls between East and West Berlin. Trust me, 
The enemy comes eventually. Blocked lines, a familiar friend. Strike one, damn, the line is drawn. Strike two, head in hand. Strike three, despair rises inside of me as paper is crumpled, then tossed. Another verse, lost. Because self-doubt is the writer's curse. And questions plague me, like will I ever craft the perfect verse? Or will my eyes close to this world before my greatest words manifest? Will my gnarled hands strain to etch out lines as I curl into the reaper's embrace? Because I have finally run out of time, and home is where I'm called to, leaving my life's work behind. I write to live, I write to love, I write to give my soul respite, I write to live. I've won this battle, but not this war. There's nothing left but to start again, another refrain. Replace a word here and a word there. I build my kingdom brick by lyrical brick until I'm sick from malnutrition, dehydrated, sip coffee cold, staining in my tongue. Words sprung from a mind gone mad. Shaky ink-tipped fingers that trace a beat that haunts and lingers. I've got to exercise this demon. Because I write to live, I write to love, I write to give my soul respite, I write to live. 48 hours awake. Finally, peace descends as I put down the pen and raw, ink-stained fingers rub tired eyes against another sunrise, second I've seen, shines against my face as I lay me down into dreamless sleep. For demon, my soul you cannot keep. Yes, I may be wasted away, body and mind put through punishing pace, but the work is done and I can slip into darkness, no longer overrun. Because I write to live, I write to love, I write to give my soul respite, I write to live. I write to live, I write to love, I write to give my soul respite, I write to live. Amen. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you so, Thank so you. much for that second piece. Um, yeah, I could, uh, that was, that was lovely. Thank you. You have, you have a very nice tone when you kind of speak. It's kind of quite soft, but then you can kind of raise it at times and make words quite punchy. It's really Thank cool. You. you can kind of play with both there. Um, so, yeah, my my question to you, right, is um, on at the bottom of each of the poems that you sent me, you've mm. got the date you started writing it or mm-hmm. date you had the original version and then mm-hmm. the date you updated it. Mm-hmm. So, and you've kind of mentioned as well, you uh, often go back over poems and kind of, go through the, go through them again mm-hmm. so is a poem ever finished no I knew absolutely gonna... <laughs> not so, okay so I know some poets don't go back and edit work yeah and some do I think performance poetry is different to poetry that is written just for you to read I will write a poem that I might perform and I'll perform it and then through a certain amount of performances, I will start to know where things need to change because I my my there will be a natural rhythm that comes from it. Yeah. So certain words won't fit, especially, you know, um, if it's a potent if it's a very wordy poem and there's a lot of like alliteration and um quite complicated rhyme schemes. Sometimes it's it's good to go back to your work and kind of fix previous mistakes. Mm. Um but also the dates that are on my pieces are the, the kind of the day when I feel like it was at a, a, a finished version. But then as I perform it and as I kind of go back over, I, I sometimes feel like there's a line that could be changed. There's a rhyme scheme that could just work better. Um, 
I don't go back and change everything. There are some there are some pieces that once they're done, I don't change them. Yeah. And I, the reason I don't change them is because they need to represent me in that moment of time. But other ones, I'm a little bit more flexible with. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess it's I guess it's a really good skill to have. Um, is to never think that your work is finished never. because as you evolve as a poet, as as you evolve as a person, mm. it um, really helps to bring those pieces along with you. Um, yeah. And I think that's a really good skill, and I think it's something that um, definitely people could learn from. Um, and it's it's actually something I myself find really hard. I and and I think mainly is because it takes me so long to learn them, and yeah. then when I've learned them, I'm like, oh, I can't be asked to change it. <laughs> so. I um I think that's me being lazy, isn't it? Well, no, it's not laziness. You you have to know where you're as a as a writer before before a performer you have to know where your weaknesses are. And any writer, no matter what they write, will tell you the editing process is the hardest bit. Mm. Genesis is e- is almost the easy bit, like birthing the ideas, writing it down, getting all excited about the story that you're creating. That's fantastic because that's that's creation. That's the fun part. The hard part is the editing when you have to kind of be judge during executioner for your own work. And it can be really difficult because you, you know, you, you've just created this amazing poem and you're like, oh, I love everything. But then you're like, actually, could it be a bit shorter? Could it be longer? Could it, is there a different kind of vocabulary that I could be using? Um, and then if you then perform it, you'll get feedback from the audience. Mm. And if you are somebody who really does kind of take performance seriously and you want to kind of travel with your poems, like use them in different scenarios, feedback is so crucial. Um, and it's really good for any artist to kind of listen to feedback. You don't have to take it. Yeah. It's all subjective, right? But if it resonates with you and you feel like actually this is really useful um, and it's constructive, then use it to kind of uplift your work and make it better. Mm. Um but, you know, like I said, there are some poems, I don't touch them. Once they're done, they're done. But yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it, that kind of makes sense. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, yeah, you, that was just really lovely. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, and then there was, uh, you kind of, so you briefly said after, like straight after you said that piece, you said, oh, you kind of noticed that you, there was a bit where you yeah. like um, went over your words as a a small bit yeah um but i thought i i think in a way it just kind of proves that this is live and it's a very natural performance mm. from you but you kind of hinted afterwards that there's <laughs> you've had a few occasions where Ooh, you've had a few yes. more serious uh cock-ups let's say oh yeah so what, tell, tell me about those <laughs> okay the look on your face <laughs> right now makes me know that oh, this is going to be good i don't know if it's going to be good it's just a little bit bloody embarrassing um but you know what i own it i own it and i'll go into why i own my mistakes right so i had the pleasure of being a feature at trouble tongues last year hey with nice. sonny Congrats. um like shout out to sonny he's an amazing host fantastic guy his energy is infectious mm. um and it's a it's a really great night like Every every open mic night has a different energy and Trouble Tongues is just it's just anarchy and rebellion. Like it's just fantastic. So I was a feature, um, I think oh gosh, I can't remember, maybe I think it might have been November or September. I can't remember, sorry. And um I had fifteen minutes on stage and I was like, Yeah, okay, and I had my poems and funnily enough, I I think I'd just gotten public service announcement to a place where I was ready to perform it. 
And I went up on stage and I was just like doing my thing. And my nerves kicked in so hard. Really? Like I was a shaking hot mess. I don't know why. Yeah. It's not this. It's like it was a. It, the room was packed. There must have been about 100 people there. But for some reason, my nerves just got com- like completely took over. And maybe it was because I was performing um, a poem that I, I knew I knew it, but I hadn't performed it in that way before. I forgot my words. Um, I had to get my phone out, which I rarely ever do. Mm. Um, I like totally messed up the opening, skipped a whole stanza, (laughs) skipped a whole verse. I was like, and I think I got to a point, I just like looked at the audience and I just went, oh, for fuck's sake, guys, Mercury's in retrograde hardcore. And it was like, yeah. I just said, listen, this is real life. Like, it doesn't matter whether you're an open mic or a feature. We all fuck up. Yeah. And I said, listen, do do you guys mind if I start again? And they were like, no, 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 go for it, go for it. So then I I got my phone out and I just said, listen, I'm going to read it from my phone. I hope you don't mind. Oh, no, 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 go for it. Um, And I just allowed myself to kind of take a step back and not... I suppose in my head, I was just like, oh, you're featuring. You need to be really professional. You need to, like, deliver... And I didn't allow myself to also kind of enjoy the experience. And I think my nerves just really shook me to the core. But I laugh about it now because even when I make mistakes on stage, as in real life, (laughs) you kind of just, you have to roll with it. Yeah. And the audience were really lovely. Like people mess up all the time. Oh yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah. And and I guess as I kind of said, like it's a very natural thing to happen, but I guess, yeah, it, it, it must've been quite weird for you. Was that, was that really almost like the first time that that's ever happened? At, to that level. Yeah. yeah. I've had, I've had small kind of mistakes and snafus where I've like either skipped a line or started a word when I need, when I meant another one. Yeah. Um, and it happened at Flow Vortex. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it was right near the end. And luckily I was just like, it did. yeah, okay. I got it. I got it. Pulled it back. Pulled it back. Pulled it back. Um, and like, I've had, I've had um, moments where I've done an open mic and I've got the poem on my phone. And for some reason, the phone's only got half the poem. I'm like, where the hell's my work <laughs> gone? It's like, guys, I'm really sorry. My phone's just like completely eating my poem. But um, yeah. um, I kind of feel like, one of the reasons I love spoken word so much is this authenticity and how beautifully accepting people are. Yeah. And like, and it's so dissimilar to any other art form because especially in this kind of social media age that we live in where everything is online with spoken word, you're allowed to be human. You're allowed to be vulnerable. Um, you're allowed to be your whole self. And I don't feel like that is the, that is the same truth for people who are in acting or music at all. Um, I think one of the reasons why we all kind of come to spoken word is that we're looking for something that does feel a lot more real and where we can see other human beings being human. Mm. And you don't get that with like theatre, with acting, with music, where it's also very polished and perfect. So I kind of just embrace the mistakes now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, um, one of the kind of like uh, taglines that I put in the bio for the uh, podcast is that uh, spoken word is healing for both for, for both the writer and the listener. Yeah. Do, do, do you like kind of feel that that kind of makes, do you like feel that that's true? Yeah, definitely. In like your case. Yeah, uh, yeah, most definitely. Um, you had a very interesting conversation with Fisky about is is writing yeah. therapy or yeah. therapeutic 
I'm I'm completely in agreement with Fisky on this. Like writing is therapy. Like don't fuck around. Like there there have been times in my life where if I wasn't able to pick up a pen, I don't know what kind of human being I'd be right now. Mm. Um it's 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 healing for for the artist performing because you've gone through the process of creation and then you perform it and as you perform it I feel like if you're in a if you're at a safe space in your life where you're happy to perform it um because you can look back on whatever it is that you're talking about um and you have enough distance then that's really that's really good but when people come up to you after a show and they tell you like how some your work has connected with them it makes you feel less alone um it makes you feel like okay despite the fact that whilst i was going through whatever it was whether it's good or bad um you might feel very isolated the human experience is universal yeah so when somebody a perfect stranger who you've never met and who you may never meet again says your words really touch me it's just another form of human connection and despite the fact that we're all so well connected you know our faces are constantly in our phones i don't feel like we have a lot of real human like real human connection experiences on a day-to-day basis especially in a city like london where everybody's just too busy too miserable like everyone's reading shitty tabloid papers and like nobody wants to look up and have a conversation no and i and i think you're right and i and i i think it's what makes a the scene really unique and b it's what makes people go to a couple of nights and get so hooked that they go every week to at least one. That's exactly what happens. And because when you go to these nights, you see the same people there. Like, I'd say, like, 30, 40% of the crowd, you know them all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, oh, oh, I knew you. you, Or when you see a performer, you're like, oh, I saw you at another night. Like, you you can't always chat to everyone afterwards. But afterwards as well, everyone chats to one another. Everyone kind of links up. And you form a friendship as a as a starting point of telling people um things about you or like stories that have happened to you or like or just even showing your creative process that's mm. that's your starting point as a as a friendship with someone you meet and i think it leads to um a sense of commun- community that you uh, rarely find rarely find so, in london so true um the act of being vulnerable with absolute strangers makes them can sometimes make these strangers closer to you than your own family yeah no yeah 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 especially if you don't have the ability to talk about what's really going on inside of you and poetry is your way out like poetry is your therapy Mm. if you then go on to perform that you are performing a part of your life that might have at one point nearly destroyed you and when you connect that with other people who want to listen and share, like I feel like people who go to spoken word nights expect vulnerability, expect authenticity. They want to have fun and it is entertainment. Oh, yeah. Let's not get it twisted. It is still entertainment, but it's a different kind of entertainment. People go to comedy shows because they want to laugh. People go to spoken word shows because they want to feel human emotion and they want to to feel it in a way that is not just entertaining but is thought-provoking so when you deliver that and then you have an audience who are receptive to that it's a beautiful it's a beautiful kind of marriage that happens and you're right you you do make like really great friends because mm. people kind of just 
they see a different side to you. Like the mask slips, even even as a performer. Like we like we have our performance personas in a way, but the mask is very translucent in comparison to like acting and music. Um, And when people see that part of you and connect with you, and they want to then reach out to you it's a really healthy place to start any kind of a, a friendship. It is, it is. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, you're right. Look, um, this is, time is really going very, very quickly. Oh, um, so we need to, um, yeah, you just have so much to say. So it's, it's amazing. No, 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 I'm but you do. <laughs> no, no, no. I'd, it's um, great. No, I'm really enjoying this conversation. So um, yeah, tell us a little bit about your third piece, Changes. Changes. So this is actually the first piece I ever performed live. Right. So when was the first time you ever performed live? June 2019. <laughs> Stop it. I'm not joking. What? Yeah. June. Okay. okay. Shout, shout out to Speak Equal London Queer Writers. That was yeah. the first time I ever stepped on stage. Ah. And I performed this piece on a piece of paper and my hands were shaking and I was like, <gasps> um, yeah, Changes Changes was the first piece I ever wrote to perform. Okay. Wait, so you had loads of other ones written, but you'd never performed I had live. poetry written right not necessarily prose like yeah so i've got i have different kinds of poetry Mm. and like different nights will i'll I'll perform different kinds of things but for spoken word i had never really done anything long uh memorized i hadn't really done anything with a rhyme scheme like this before um i kind of see myself like i'm a storyteller and i do a lot of kind of like narrative uh like narrative monologues and stuff like that um so this was the first one and but also it came from a very real experience which I was in a very like I said I was in a I was in a good place when I wrote this but even writing this poem made me reflect on like this very intense and very deep and scarring pain that I'd gone through in my life and as I wrote it I realized that the poem kind of allowed me to close that chapter of my life like completely so that it could then be something that I could take and perform. So yeah, changes. <laughs> Great. Well, look, thank you very much for blessing us on the show with this final piece that you're going to do for us. I'm so excited. So yeah, just thank to you. remind everyone that is listening, this this piece is going to be up on YouTube and also IGTV. Um, so yeah, go and check that out if you haven't already. And yeah, so the final piece we're going to hear from Kyla is called Changes. Here I am on this stage, trying to find a way to get the words from the page out of my mouth and into this mic. Please bear with me because I know that we don't have all night. You see, I walk these London streets, heart heavy, love weighing down my feet, dragging me across broken pavements to say I'm lost. Well, that's an understatement. No way of knowing any direction because my heart, head and soul are at an intersection, torn between love, desire, hate and hurt. My happiness has just been trampled into dirt, shorn off between concrete cracks, wedged between stacks of bills, tracks of tears, contacts ghosted and acts unfulfilled. On dusty roads, converse tread quiet, while inside my head is a full-on fucking riot of questions unanswered and fears manifested. I've got to make it home, pull out paper and pen to birth this poem where it's safe and I can scrape my pain onto the page. Because I'm fighting for survival, hands held up to God seeking revival from your attempted assassination of my character and the straight-up murder of our love that I put on high above all else, including myself. 
<laughs> searching for solace and I'm scrolling through IG because I want to be the manifestation of inspo quotes and guru citations. Instead, my fingers tap on pictures of us in happier times. And a solace will only come when I write down rhymes, pull out paper and pen and stain my pain onto the page because I'm still searching for a safe space. Somewhere where I can cogitate, then create again after months of overwhelming stagnation. Perhaps then I can close my eyes, let beautiful dreams capsize me into sweet oblivion. But first, I've got to get home. Through London town, zones, one through three, earphones in tight, volume up high, trying to calm the messy choppy waters of my mind, but before me is a long and winding road and I have many miles to go before I can sleep because of promises that you failed to keep, that you whispered to me sacredly, then shattered my hopes and scattered my love to the wind and left my heart in tattered ribbons to float into the sky. So why do I still love you? Why do I miss you? Why am I drowning in an ocean of loss? Why did you cut across my flesh with harsh words and rescinded vows? You, you who had the power to heal me, stained my happy memories in a wash of blue-hued despair. But why does my body still yearn for your touch? Pulling at me deeply, so much so that I grab pillows, stuffing my nose in deep, searching for a hint of you. When will I be free? Unburdened, unfettered, unshackled from the bonds that we forged in love and fire. When will I be free? It won't be when I close the door. Newly cut keys in hand to freshly oiled locks. It won't come in the still of the night as I fight for sleep, begging for peaceful stillness in my mind. So, tomorrow, I'll arise. Heart heavy. Love weighing down my feet dragging me broken across these dusty grey roads with no sense of direction and no place to call home. Wow, okay, so that was Changes by Kyla. Um, and that was, again, another beautiful piece. Thank you um, so much. I can't, so that was the first spoken word piece you ever performed. Yes. That is, um, that is really, really very impressive. And, and also I can kind of get a sense from that, that I imagine that once you perform that, you were like, okay, shit, I've got to do more of this. Was that the feeling you had when you left the stage or not? The feeling I, the feeling I had when I finished my first open mic set was I need to do this again. Yeah. I have to get back on stage and do this again and again and again. And I haven't stopped since June. Um, I love open mics. I love spoken word. I love performance. It it takes me to a happy place. Mm. Even when the poem is sad as fuck, I'm, I'm in such a blissful state because... It just feels really good. It it feels me. Yeah. Um yeah. I can see that and and hear that. Like I think that's that's something that's definitely very, very true. Like you kind of uh, re- you like resonate that oh, feeling. Um whether it's a kind of part of the poem which is a bit sadder or not. Yeah, you I, I like can kind of see that you do that it does take over you in a way. And that's really cool. Thank you. I, uh, I think you know I feel that as a spoken word artist, you can either sink into yourself or project yourself out. 
And if you sink into yourself, but your words are really powerful, people will connect. But it is still a performance. It's a stage and there's a certain level of expectation. And for me, I have, I, I, I suppose I set quite high standards for myself. But it's, it, what's really interesting is that my spoken word helps my writing. Mm. And my writing helps my spoken word. So because I'm a novelist and a writer and a journalist and everything and a blogger and whatever, I've done, I, I've done it all. That can be very structured. Spoken word allows me to be free in a way that my writing doesn't allow. And the performance aspect of that really just allows me to kind of bring my whole self yeah. um, into my life in a way that even my job doesn't allow me to do. Yeah. Um, but in the same vein, there's a discipline to it. The performance, the practice, the the memorizing, you know, like any actor. Um, and actually my best friend, one of my best friends who's an actor, has given me some really good coaching tips on how to kind of own the space that you're on when you're on stage. That's your five minutes. Fucking own your own five minutes. And I'm just like, well, yeah, of course, that makes sense. I'm a woman who likes to take up space. Um, it's what I, I teach people at work. Take up space. So why not give that to myself? Like, that's my five minutes, so let me own it. But in the same vein, when that's done and I get home, all I want to do is just create even more. So it's it's this beautiful kind of relationship. They they feed into each other and it just it allows me to keep writing and writing in all different genres. So, yeah. yeah. Nice, cool. Okay, so look, one of the other questions I want to ask you then, I think I know one of the answers to it and it's music. But apart from music, mm. where else do you get your influences from? So this could be this could be other poets you've met on the scene, mm. maybe poets that you like follow. Mm. Where do you who yeah, who are the kind of poets or anything else where you feel you get your <gasps> yeah, your kind of drive from? So, so I knew you might ask me this. So oh, yeah. I I have um a long list. A long list. No, no. So obviously being very new to this scene, I fully hold my hands up. I'm a rookie. I don't know who all the big, big names are, like who, who's the kind of the alpha, the <laughs> omega of spoken word. But I, I've always read a lot of poetry. I studied literature, number one. So like I did the kind of like, you know, the, the normal Keats, Wordsworth, that kind of stuff, Shakespeare. Um, but over the years, I go back to um, poets like Maya Angelou, and I know she's cited as an influence of many, many writers and poets, especially women of colour. But like, that's because she was amazing. She just transcends everything. Her her words were just so powerful. Um, Audrey Lord. Um, I go to people like James Baldwin, like very famous essayist and novelist. Um, in terms, but then I also don't necessarily have people that I go to. Mm. Uh, another more modern poet actually is a, a, a woman called Fatima Asghar. Um, she released a book in 2018. I want to say it's called For Us. I, I'm probably got that so wrong, but Fatima Asghar, she's also really, really good. Okay. Um, but then like there's loads of poetry on Instagram. So obviously the whole Insta poet thing like yeah. rh sin and rupikor and um atticus and that kind of stuff like i i like 
some of what I've seen and the whole kind of Insta poet scene, like those, those very, very quick, sharp lines that often speak about love and loss and that kind of thing. Um, but I also read so much. Like you will never find me without a book mm. or like uh, 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 an ebook on my Kindle. Um, so I've been reading since you know, way high. Um, so I'm always, always reading and my influences come from everywhere, whether it's a book, a biography. I like, I love art. I love photography. Um, anything that just stimulates my senses yeah. will, you know, will create work for me. And, and I kind of guess in a way that each one of those things seeps into your work, whether you realize it or not. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I've been, <laughs> I've been told that I have a very interesting vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, no, but I, I think, I think that's true. You kind of, when I was reading through your work, you, you definitely choose words where, which I, if I was kind of writing that sentence, whatever, I don't think my brain would have come up with. So interesting. And that must be because you're reading. I think it is, but it's also because I'm dyslexic. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So it's not like I'm not. I have absolutely no shame about being neurodi- neurodivergent. I've I got um, diagnosed with dyslexia in my, I think I was about 23. So I went my whole school life not understanding why I couldn't figure things out in the same way that my schoolmates could. Mm. And it was this really beautiful woman who basically said to me, dyslexia is not a disability. It is actually the tool to unlocking a mind that thinks differently. She was like some of the greatest artists, architects, um, like thinkers of this, of our generations have been dyslexic, whether it's been diagnosed or not. And she made me believe that I wasn't at a disadvantage. But I'm also, I suppose what people might call a a high functioning dyslexic. So my reading and my writing um, and my vocabulary are like quite high. But I think that's also because I was so ashamed of not being able to perform at the same level, like in spelling, for example, as my classmates when I was like 10 and 11 years old, that I I like pushed myself to just read, read. Like I used to... No word of a lie. I actually used to fucking pick up the dictionary and just like read a page of the dictionary and just like look for words that I didn't know. But I actually find that really exciting, like thinking that there's a word in the English language that can describe something that I have never used. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I study languages as well. So there's so many influences. But um, yeah, I, I pull it. I pull it from wherever I can find inspiration. <laughs> I, I I'll go for it. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Well, I think that certainly comes through in in your work. Thank you. Um, so, look, my final question to you is: What? So we're at the start of 2020. We are. Uh, it's a new year. It's a new decade. <gasps> in fact. Yes. Um, what have you got planned for this year in terms of your, your spoken word? Do you have any goals? Do you have any things coming up? Mm. What is on the horizon? For you. So I've been doing this for a short while and I've been very blessed that since June to um, December, not only was I kind of like active on the open mic scene, but I got to do features, headlines, mm. that kind of thing. Um, I'd like to continue doing that for 2020. I'm not going to lie. I'm setting myself some big goals. I've got to finish my novel this year. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to finish my master's. Um, and but for me, I just want to keep writing. I actually just did a call out on my Instagram to kind of like my Insta cousins. I was just like, I want to collab. I want to support other people, like people who are running nights, like um, uh, Ifto, for example. You're mm. running the podcast. A's just did um, a, uh, um, 
workshop. A workshop. Yeah. Um, and I actually performed with him at a workshop last year with Fausta. So like all of these amazing people who are doing great things, if I can be involved, even if it's just to support and to show love, that's what I want to do. But on a kind of more professional level, I really want to pull words together. I've got some ideas that I'm, I've been, they've been brewing for the last six months. I'm thinking about, is there space for a uh, kind of like a poetry pamphlet or an anthology of different writers? Um, maybe looking at a singular theme, but from ever, from different perspectives. So I'm, there's, there's a lot of things going through my mind, a lot of things that are down on paper that will come to fruition in 2020. It's just, I've got to find the time. <laughs> I've, I'm not going to be sleeping a lot this year. I'm not going to be sleeping a lot this year at all, but Look, I don't care. I mean, that's great though. It sounds like you've got lots of, uh, you've got lots of things going on. You've got lots of ideas. Um, and I think you're a hundred percent right to collab with people. I think that's one of yeah. the things that I kind of have taken away from this podcast whenever I speak to people about what, what they've got coming up, we need to work together yeah. because there is so much talent out there mm. and it's we people have something to say. Mm-hmm. And the, the way for us to amplify our voices is to work together, to do projects, to do a pamphlet like you've just said, mm. um, and to kind of really allow this scene to grow in a way that it so deserves. <laughs> I think so. And I think one of the... One aspect of spoken word that a lot of people don't talk about, but eventually we we kind of need to address is the fact that a lot of spoken word artists don't earn money. Yeah, yeah, of course. And if they do, the most they're ever getting is travel expenses, which, you know, if you're a young knight starting out, but we are performers. We put in a lot of time and effort and work. So if you're not getting paid for your work, how do you support yourself, especially Mm. if you want to do this full time? Um, or you want to do it to a to a point where you can actually kind of make a living from it. So I think collaboration is key because maybe we need to learn uh, tips and tricks from our cousins in acting and music and kind of take on board what they do. But I think the more collaboration we do and the more we expose ourselves to the outside world in terms of like what we do as, as a talent base, the more we can start to command kind of um, remuneration for the work that we do. Yeah, look, works. so I've enjoyed this conversation so much. So, thank it's you. Been, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. You thank have, you you have much. so much to say and you know how to say it. I don't know. It's, it's just been really, really lovely. Oh, we've, thank you so we, much. We've, 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 we've spoken about the gender pay gap. Yes, we've we did. We've spoken about um, your writing process, which I think is actually really unique. Um, and that's really cool. We've spoken how this can be healing for us, for both mm. the writer and the listener. Um and we yeah, and we've talked about how we need to collaborate as we do poets need to, collaborate. to let this thing grow even bigger. Definitely. So um we need to finish off by saying reminding people where they can follow you on Instagram. Sure. Which is where? Kyla Winter. Yeah, so I changed my handle recently. So it's Kyla K Y L A Winter W Y N T E R <laughs> at Kyla Winter. That's on Instagram. I'm only on Instagram. I don't use anything else because I yeah. just whack. <laughs> Facebook is dead. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's so boring. And Twitter's just full of angry people, like oh, angry middle aged men. Anyone, I just can't handle it. <laughs> why does anyone listen to people on Twitter? I don't know. I just don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> 
Look, on <laughs> that note, people, don't listen to people on Twitter. Stick no. to Insta um, yeah. and support your poet. So look, on that note, we're going to finish off. Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for having me, Henry. Honestly, keep doing what you're doing. I think this podcast is wonderful. So thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Likewise. Cool, guys. So look, thank you very much for listening and we will see you all next week. Cheers. <laughs>